nine rounds of golf for $90? Yep. The Minnesota Golf Passport is back and available now at garagelogic.com. As a golf passport card holder, you're entitled to nine 18 whole rounds of golf for just one low price of $90. Supplies are limited, so just go to garagelogic.com and type keyword passport. A $300 golf value for just 90 bucks. Now you got it. GarageLogic.com. Keyword Passport. Fratelloni's Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 749, December 8th, 2021. We uh, had a high of 50 degrees on this day in 1939 and 1990, and 22 below in 1876. Seven and a half inches of snow on this day in 1995. And I noted that six record high temperatures for the month of December were established in 1939. And now, from the mayor's office above the boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Souchere. We discovered with some uh, excitement yesterday that Viagra helps prevent dementia. Yeah. And, and help with breathing, too. And we right? also yeah. learned that it would be helpful with breathing at high altitudes. And uh, one of the guy writes, Honorable Mayor, it turns out our local nursing home has been way ahead of the curve when it comes to using Viagra for other health benefits. For years, they have been pre- uh, preventing hip fractures by giving the men a dose right at bedtime. It keeps them from rolling out of bed. <laughs> oh, see? <laughs> Let's stop Kick, her there. Kickstand. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. <laughs> that one I'm stealing. And we have some follow-up to uh, Pearl Harbor, just some notes. Uh, Chuck in Utah writes, I'm listening to the uh, podcast on December 7th. My father was 20 years old at the time. He told me everyone was talking about the attack for the rest of that Sunday. Monday morning, he went to enlist, as did thousands of other men. The armed forces were completely overwhelmed with the amount of volunteers. My father did not get orders to report for basic training for six months. He thought they forgot about him. He ended up being a bomber pilot and squadron leader in the Pacific Theater. Later in his life, he talked a lot about the war, and his stories were amazing, pushing back at every opportunity, Chuck, in Utah. And we learn from John... Thorpe, I was surprised that you didn't mention the USS Ward gun that sank the Japanese mini-sub is located next to the Department of Veterans Affairs building in St. Paul. So you can oh. go see that gun that fired the first really? shot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. wow, yeah. cool. And uh, Matt writes, back in 1976, I was hired by Southwestern Bell Telephone to work cordboard. I don't know what that means. In Huntsville, Texas. Margie was number one on the seniority list. And I was last. She worked lates, and I got the usual newbie, 2 to 10.30 and 3 to 11s. Since our hours coincided, I heard a lot of her stories about the old days. I loved listening to Margie. I remember being amazed by the fact that she started working for Southwestern Bell Telephone before I was born. One night, Margie told me a story and made me promise to remember and repeat it whenever I could. I've told her story many times since. 
On December 7, 1941, Margie was working alone on what was to become anything but another sleepy Sunday, the day the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor. Margie found out about the attack from rate and route operators on the West Coast. The news spread like wildfire through the telephone company, but of course we were unable to give our subscribers any information. This was before direct dial, and all calls had to go through the operator. In no time at all, Margie was swamped with calls, and so was everyone else nationwide. Call volume went up so fast, the network was in danger of collapse. Too many people trying to make too many calls at the same time. Rumors everywhere, and people were terrified. At one point, Margie heard that Hawaii, California, and Alaska had been invaded. Then a miracle happened. All over the country, Bell employees started reporting to work unasked and uncalled. Operators, COTs, union, management, everyone pitched in to help so there wouldn't be a major communications failure to add to the country's problems. From coast to coast, people left their families and loved ones and went to work. Many went to work even though they knew they would be enlisting in the armed forces the next day. The network met the challenge and kept working. Margie wasn't alone for long. In a matter of hours, every position on the cord board was open. Even the chief operator was taking calls. They heard the familiar bong of the cord alarms for hours as they took call after call. They were immensely relieved when the news broke the story of the attacks and it became common knowledge they could relay to customers. Margie said she knew things were changing and would continue to change and probably not for the better. She hoped we would never lose the spirit and commitment we uh, showed on that infamous day. Isn't that something? I imagine a cord board is the... Uh, where you sat there and took and plugged it in yeah, the, the board various with all the, things. Yeah, yeah, the cords. Yeah. Sure. So yeah, everyone, I, we saw him on Laugh-In with, uh, what's her name? Yeah, what's her name? Lily Tomlin. Lily yeah, Tomlin. Lily. And for those of you that uh, were not seeing this on the video, like the three of us, Joe was flailing his arms as to suggest he was <laughs> plugging in phone lines. And from the GL geologist, Stacy, we learn that Mother is rumbling off the coast of Oregon. Uh, I've received notices of 38 earthquakes over uh, magnitude 4.0 from 6.30 p.m. yesterday, most likely not felt on land and no tsunamis. I'm reporting from Reno, where I'm attending the American Exploration and Mining Association conference. So we have our own correspondent in Reno at a mining conference. Well, that got me intrigued, and I did a little more work at this. One of North America's most active fault lines sprung into life on Tuesday after a swarm of more than 40 earthquakes, ranging from, ranging from a magnitude 3.5 to 5.8, rattled off the coast of Oregon, catching the attention and concern of millions in the region. The series of quakes, which began early Tuesday morning and continued into Wednesday, were all clustered between 200 and 250 miles west of the coastal town of Newport, Newport Oregon, Far enough to be mostly undetected on land, but given the area's seismic history, it's creating quite a buzz. If you had asked me yesterday where on earth would be most likely to produce a bunch of magnitude 5.0 quakes in a single day, this would have been high on my list. Harold Tobin, director of the Pacific Northwest Seismic Network at the University of Washington, told CNN, The fault line responsible for the quakes is the Blanco Fracture Zone. According to an analysis by Oregon State University, is more, it is more active than the infamous San Andreas Fault in California, having produced more than 1,500 quakes of magnitude 4.0 or greater since the 1970s. I won't read you the whole thing. And, of course, we get that admonition. This is not necessarily a precursor to the so-called big one. But if you get a big one on the Blanco Fracture Zone, uh, 
That's all she wrote for the Northwest. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, wow. It's, Is that oh, another one, Kenny, you have to add to your list to get uh, in the truck and drive straight towards it? That, that's not really threatening us, though, right? No. The fault is 275 miles west of the Oregon coastline and about 200 miles west of the Cascadia subduction zone where the largest and most destructive northwest quakes have historically taken place. Blanco fracture zone quakes are strike slip lateral motions of the crusted blocks on either side rather than up and down displacement. So it's very unlikely for them to pose a tsunami threat, even if a bigger quick quake happened, like a magnitude 7. Uh, okay, so uh, here we and go. And Newport, Oregon would be south and west of Salem, obviously right on the coast. Okay. Um, almost half, almost the midway point um, uh, of Oregon between Washington and California. But rest assured, GLers, we have uh, our own geologist who mm-hmm. will keep you informed uh, from the mining conference in Reno. I'm sure she's been consulting her uh, her uh, crystal ball on this. The Kim Potter trial began today. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm developing a theory. Uh, I think it's not even that novel of an idea that I've noticed. I think it certainly began with the death of George Floyd and the subsequent trial of Derek Chauvin. Uh, This Kim Potter trial is not going to be allowed to just be held organically. No. It's uh, being taken over by the media. Yeah. And not necessarily liberal or conservative media, just by news-gathering institutions. Right. Fox News Today had 11 pages on this. 11 pages. The name Dante Wright is on full display across Minneapolis area this week as the community hunkers down once again for the beginning of the trial of ex-police officer Kim Potter. A picture of Wright, who was 20 years old when Potter shot him during a traffic stop, in an alleged stun-gun firearm mix-up, has been placed under the sculpture of a fist in George Floyd Square. Wright's name is also on the marquee that calls for passersby to demand justice over his killing. Okay, uh, it, it's a case that is not remotely analogous to George Floyd. None whatsoever. Uh, the Star Tribune, on its front page today, has, as Potter trial begins, a sense of dread. Uh, the trial is being shaped and formed by political attitudes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not being shaped and formed organically by the rules of, of justice or law. Uh, that hopefully will prevail, of course, in the courtroom. But you already have a mob of people with their minds made up. And in many respects, news-gathering institutions are going to play to that faction of the American society. Uh, I don't know why Fox decided to have 11 pages on this uh, other than clicks. And there's, it's just full of photographs and uh, admonitions and warnings well, and pictures you, of George you know Floyd why. Square. And, yeah, I do know why. Well, the only thing it analogous sells, is... Joe, it sells. Is white cop kills black male. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing analogous to this. Just dozens of pictures uh, in this Fox uh, operation. And uh, there's Dante Wright's uh, picture uh, leaned against the fist uh, that uh, in the middle of that intersection at, what, 38th in Chicago? Yes. And there's pictures of all the uh, 
billboards and the, the graffiti that was done in favor of George Floyd. And uh, You know, and we discussed this uh, either was last week or the week prior. I, I apologize for not remembering, but I saw over the weekend, I cannot remember what local news outlet it was, but they were speaking with a, a protester on the street. Mm-hmm. And... You know, it was justice for, for um, our, you know, all, all the, the, the usual things you would hear. And he says, we won't be happy unless she's, tr- uh, you know, she, she's right. convicted of murder. Right. Well, she's not being charged with murder. No. Right. They, well, they don't, they, they're not smart. Well, that's what I'm yeah. saying. That's, yeah. that's what I'm saying. So if, if, yeah. if a manslaughter conviction comes down and half these people don't even realize she's not even being charged with murder, that's not going to satisfy the mob. Manslaughter and murder is the same thing in their eyes. You think so? I, I do. This okay. is leading. Do. This is leading network newscast. Yes. Uh, driving in mm-hmm. today, I looked. I listened to the top of the hour CBS radio newscast. It was the second news item uh, in the agenda. It's uh, it's being taken over by the media. Out of curiosity, what was the first? I'm trying to yeah, think. It was probably it was. Uh, probably COVID. I okay. Don't know. I can't remember. Okay. But it's being taken over, and and shaped and molded, as I say by news gathering institutions that see in this uh, merely a political opportunity to uh to weigh in in ways that have become the norm since the uh, chauvin trial and did you see where saint paul by the way uh the courthouse in saint paul has inherited the uh, trial of the other three cops that were with chauvin that night and, oh. and both Todd Axdale and uh, Mayor Melvin Carter, they don't want it in St. Paul <laughs> with yeah. some justification. Why did they they did, don't want it in St. Paul because the building is completely different uh, geographically and topographically. From there's no, there's no room. You just get out of your car why, in the street, and there's the front door. Why did they, why decide, did they get bounced over? Uh, that's a good question. Well, it's not farther uh, for, far, far enough away. Further is in addition to farther is time. It's not far enough away to make any difference no, as far that. as finding a, a jury pool. Yeah, I understand. Is it because it the timeline with, with this particular trial? I think it could be, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Because I, the thing I was wondering this morning reading about this is, you know, obviously all, the four of us are all worried about civil unrest. Does it help given the time of the year that this trial is taking place? Yes. Yeah, Joe's a big believer in that. Yeah. And he, I don't know. It's a lot easier to throw bricks when it's warm in May and June than it is in Yeah, in I'm sure it'll keep some people off the streets. I, I would tend to disagree with you on this being a political thing for news-gathering institutions, and I would say it's solely based on sales. But if you examine today's piece in the Star Tribune closely, there is no mention of the young man breaking free and getting back into his car and trying to flee the scene. And the lack of that mention proves to me that you're correct, that this is political. Well, what's being sold to, uh, to the public, and again, I understand why it's done for, it's, it's not ethical in my estimation, the seeds of civil unrest are being planted. Mm-hmm. They're they're being foreshadowed. Oh, what's the word I want? They're being predicted. Mm-hmm. Well, if you hector the public enough about the anticipation of civil unrest, there'll probably be civil unrest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's why I say this: this is not being allowed to be held organically and naturally. It's it's being held now shrouded by the uh, 
the idea that civil rest must be a part of this. Civil unrest must be a part of this. While that isn't necessarily true, although I'm being naive, uh, a white police officer shoots and kills a black man. Yes, civil unrest is not, a, not an unreasonable thing to forecast, but it's, it's being packaged and sold that way. That we should, and the entire world once again is focused on downtown Minneapolis, just as they were last May, yep. or May of uh, May of twenty twenty one. No, May of twenty twenty. Twenty twenty. May yes. of twenty twenty. Yeah, uh, or in June, and well, whenever the, the show last and two trial and a half was. years has been kind of a blur. I'll be honest. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, opening statements today, and the. Uh, prosecutor was very harsh in her remarks, and I, I'm, uh, I haven't not yet uh, caught up to the remarks of Potter's attorneys, uh, both uh, quite veterans of defense counseling, and uh, I'm sure they're not going to let it escape that this young man tried to flee. Right. You know. the, uh, I did notice some of their opening statements. They concern mostly her family and that sort of thing, trying to humanize her, it appeared, from mm-hmm. what I could, what I saw. I haven't seen the whole thing, but mm-hmm. uh, the part I saw. Well, I just don't believe she got up that day and, and, and intended to kill anybody. Right. I, no, I just don't believe no. that. That's not plausible, and I don't believe it. And, uh, but again, in a rational, sane world, that would carry a great deal of weight. That sentiment, that emotion would, would, would be held true to the heart by many people. Uh, I don't think there's uh, anyone... Uh, with a mob-like mentality who's going to stop to think, wait a minute, I don't think she got up intending to kill a black guy. They're, they're only seeing white cop kills black guy. Mm-hmm. That's all that's mm-hmm. being seen. And, and uh, that's the way that certain media is portraying this. Right. I don't think the Star Tribune is doing a good job. I, I just don't. I mean, the headline, as, po- as well, Potter trial begins, a sense of dread. What, well, what is the dread? What is what is the dread emanating from? That he'd be found. That she'd be found innocent. Is that the dread? The, the, well, what I took away w- from it was a sense of dread that uh, the protests and the clashes and what they like to call civil unrest is going to happen again uh, up in uh, BC. Not, and not to apologize for the Star Tribune, but is the sense of dread meaning here we go again like the 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 the, the residents have to put up with yeah that that's what is that, mentioned yeah. throughout the piece yeah. Yeah. that's the gist of the story basically the residents who live in that area is here we go right. again yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah well there doesn't have to be a sense of dread if if it was a sane rational world but it's not you have a trial and you present evidence and a jury takes it under advisement and you have a decision that isn't good enough anymore. No. Nope. It's good enough in many cases. It's not good enough with this dynamic. With a white police officer and a young black man who would be alive today if he merely, merely obeyed what was being asked of him. And so, in some cases, too, there's quite literally nothing that will satisfy some of these people. That's why there's a sense of dread, uh, I guess. Yeah. Does this sense of dread come from... The fact that this trial might exonerate her, 
I said that. I said, uh, what's the dread? They fear that she's innocent, but the dread seems to be more expressed, as you pointed out, well, no, no, by no, the no. residents of Brooklyn Center. I, I think it's both, uh, Joe. Uh, I, I obviously wasn't listening closely enough to you. Uh, I think you're right that they dread that she'll be exonerated and then the protests and the unrest will happen. Right. And I think the fact that they never mentioned the fact that uh, he was trying to flee, uh, I think that fuels the fire. It and by the way, the beast. By the way, Kenny, not listening closely, that's my job. Okay, not yours. <laughs> what? What now? <laughs> <laughs> not listening closely is Reaver's job, not your job. Huh? <laughs> How's that hook taste? <laughs> EcoFun Motorsports in Forest Lake has wonderful, wonderful Christmas deals for GLers. $200 off all stock Bintelli e-bikes. You can buy the same bike as I did for only $13.99. That's a hell of a gift. $300 off all Yamaha electric bikes. Youth ATV starting at $10.99. Put a smile on that little brat's face, huh? Wow. <laughs> Bintelli scooters, Merry your choice. Christmas. Well, Merry Christmas. <laughs> I meant it in a fun way. I know. Bentelli scooters, your choice of three models. These are the scooters <laughs> that turn urban errands into adventures for only $12.99. Yamaha clothing, 10% off. Full snowmobile servicing. Look outside. You might as well get your sled ready for winter. And uh, if you're still looking for storage, EcoFun Motorsports in Forest Lake is still accepting winter storage units for those who waited. Uh, mine's out there. I couldn't be happier. Freeze up garage space. They'll take care of it all winter. Tender uh, uh, the battery and tune it up for spring and the oil change and the whole deal. It's fantastic. It's right on Highway 61 in downtown Forest Lake. Man, if you're a GLer and a, a petrol head, you could make this your your Christmas headquarters. There you go. Right on Highway 61 in downtown Forest Lake. EcoFun Motorsports. Hey, GLers, if you're looking to improve the water quality in your home, then trust my friends at Hofferman Water. They are your local independent water treatment dealer, and they have been serving Minnesotans for nearly 50 years, and they understand the unique problems that Minnesota water brings. They are also an independent and authorized Connecticut dealer, so whether you're looking to soften, filter, or you just want your water to taste better, they will help make your water worry-free. I'm a prime example. I went with the Connecticut system a couple of years ago. I have the S. 650 system inside my home it made an absolute world of difference it improved everything your 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 dishes your your laundry your showers everything inside your home gets better with Kinetico and my friends at Hofferman Water if you already have a water treatment system in your home well they can help you with service and repairs they specialize in Kinetico products but service many other major brands too they can also help with salt delivery filter changes parts repairs and more give them a shout today you can call them at 612-895-2440 for a free water analysis and estimate, or just check them out online at HoffermanWater.com, and please let them know that Garage Logic sent you. This guy wears many hats, just not indoors. Joe Suchere. I was debating forwarding this uh, letter about seafoam to you, Joe, because I think it would sound better coming from you. Uh, but Corey, uh, he accidentally, um, by a misstroke on the keyboard, coined a new phrase, seafoaming. Um, but this letter is pretty good, and I, I think it will interest you, Such. Several years ago, an elderly friend asked me to help him prep all of his old cars and trucks for auction. 
Um, and he would enjoy his name being used here, the late Lyle Shea of Newmarket. Uh, he was a historian, collector, gas delivery, and antique collector. He saw the value of keeping metal, gas, and oil signs long before the pickers did. He operated a station in town. He would deliver fuel, uh, and he often took old cars and trucks and trade if the folks couldn't pay. He had about 25 of them. Um, and he said, uh, before the sale, the auction, I want every single one of them to run. He wasn't kidding. He then pointed to a stack of cases of seafoam from years ago. The cans were rusty and faded, uh, but he demanded I use that uh, use them in every rig he had. And uh, he was amazed, Corey was, as he brought them all to life after sitting for decades. The 49 GMC, the 51 Chevy sedan, the 74 Olds. Oh, 74 Olds Delta 88. I love that car. They all roared to life, and they ran. And the longer they ran, the better they sounded. When I ran out of seafoam, Lyle would just smile and throw another case at me. The man was in the oil and gas business his whole life, and he knew his ass. Auction day came, and they all sold. The pride of his collection was his 1953 Chrysler New Yorker mm. wagon. Mm. Very rare. Uh, R.I.P. Lyle, and thank you. And instead of saying thank you, Seafoam, he says thank you, Seafoaming. So Corey was Seafoaming <laughs> Lyle's old uh, iron. That's pretty cool. It's a great letter, and it's just more proof that uh, Seafoam truly is a wonderful product in a world of bad gas. I can't help it. I'm seeing hoarding there. <laughs> yeah, but they all ran. But if Joe. they ran, great. Yeah. yeah. If they run or they're startable, you know, they've been put to bed um, and you can, you know, they've been fogged or whatever and you can get them running again. I, I don't know if that's hoarding or not. We have previously mentioned the uh, apparently violent conditions in some of the Rochester elementary schools. Yes. Rochester, Minnesota. And uh, I've been alerted to a, a piece from the, I believe it's the Rochester Post Bulletin from uh, Al Horseman. Rochester Public Schools has released additional information about its plan to curb violence. Oh, good. They have a plan in Yes, place. we'll hear this plan. About its plan to curb violence and disruptions that have been hampering, that have been happening in the district's secondary schools. Jacques Peterson, Rochester Public Schools Director of Elementary and Secondary Education, gave a presentation to the Rochester School Board about strategies the district is undertaking to help ameliorate the situation. This was really in response to significant disruptive behaviors and physical behaviors that we were seeing in our secondary schools following the return to school after students had experienced a long time in distance learning, Peterson said. It's seven really good strategies that are going to make a huge difference in our buildings. You ready? The district's administration has confirmed an increase in student violence this school year, including a fight that resulted in an ambulance responding to a medical situation at John Adams Middle School. The first strategy is one interim super Kent Peckle spoke about at a previous meeting, the Perspectives Project. The project will include talking to focus groups of students as well as to staff members. The district will be working with a research firm on the project. Peterson said the second strategy is to increase the number of equity specialists in the district. Oh. According to Peckle, equity specialists are professionals who work with students directly, but also help get students connected to the services they need. 
The role of those specialists is not just direct work with the kids, Peckle said, it is also building the capacity of staff and naming issues in schools that may be promoting those behaviors. Mm -hmm. Peterson cited the impact equity specialist Rodney Sharp has had. Sharp recently described his role in more practical terms. The way I like to explain it is I like to be a bridge between home and school, Sharp told Rochester in color. And that's what I really try to get across to the students, that I'm here for you. If it's finding a way to get you mental help, I might not be the expert for it, but I can lead you to someone who is. If you need food, we have someone who can lead you to that. I try to be the bridge to give you those types of things. Okay. The third strategy is advanced case planning. Uh, Peterson described it as taking a look at individual needs of students. This really is, this, this is really fine-tuning the response to the needs of our students, Peterson said. The fourth strategy is discipline. Geez, I'd make that maybe number one. There you go. Another topic <laughs> Peckle spoke about, spoke about in an earlier meeting. Peterson reiterated Peckle's comments saying it is being used sparingly, but it's still an option. <laughs> well, that's good. Even though it's there in the toolbox, it's not being used very wisely, but it's helpful for staff to know that it's there, Peterson said, about wow. suspending students. Wow. The fifth strategy uh, includes having a broader range of staff to help change the situation. It's really important that staff are involved because if we're going to have a discipline issue, it's not an administrative issue, it's everybody's issue, Peterson said. The sixth strategy is the implementation of a software program. According to Peterson, the software provides a good platform on which to communicate about safety and discipline issues. She also said it provides a reward system for students. The software also allows staff to look at trends among student disruption and discipline. If you have the software and all you do is input the data, that tells a story. But it doesn't tell a personal story, she said. So it's really important that coupled with that, you have a team that looks at that data. The final strategy is restorative practices. She said Director of Equity and Inclusion Will Ruffin II is working on establishing training for staff on the subject. According to the Learning Policy Institute, restorative practices can take a number of different forms. Restorative practices range from the informal to the formal. They are designed to build community and repair relationships while supporting reflection, communication, and problem-solving skills for staff and students. So what you're telling me is you're going to stop all this by hiring more people and buying a software program. Yep. Joe, uh, uh, my sewer pipe broke and my uh, basement's filling up with sewage, so I'm going to uh, repaint the house. I'm going to put on a new roof and build a, build a deck. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> what the hell? What the Step hell? six. And you're, Maybe you're going to ignore the, the bleep in the basement. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Isn't that something? Amazing. This, this failed academy is so overwhelmed with its own sense of ridiculous problem solving and virtue signaling that it, that it can't possibly solve a damn thing. It's nice to note that uh, discipline did get thrown in as one of the strategies. We got it in the toolbox. We could use it, I guess. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Honest to well, God. There's no was it number, number five, number six? It was right? number five, I believe. What are number they going to do yeah. a year down way the ba- road? Way back there. Yeah, what are they going to do a year down the road when it's worse? No, four, uh, discipline was the fourth Oh, strategy. four. Oh, okay. good. Oh, yeah, good, good, good. good. Yeah. What if this doesn't work? Simple. You get another software program and hire more people. <laughs> well, that'll help. Yeah. 
Because well, a team needs to look at the software data wait to implement strategies. Joe, it was just announced yesterday that we have a surplus of, what was it, Johnny? 7.7 7. 7. 7. 7. billion. There we go. More hmm. money on education will solve this problem. Well, it's always been the case. Yes. I've got to think that enrollment at private schools is skyrocketing right now, isn't it? Boy, I mean, any cost at all. I'll take on three more jobs just to keep my kid out of public school. <laughs> Man alive. That's something. I, I, I'm aware of a couple places, not that I was investigating personally, that are on waiting lists. Yeah, I imagine. Well, and get if your you name can, on it. And don't it, think I won't. Don't think I won't. <laughs> if you're qualified uh, and you have the time. Yep. School them at home, and that's a and that's too bad because there are a lot of really good, well-intended people working in public school. Absolutely, you know, and that's that's the shame of it because we, they get we overshadowed. We met one yesterday, Luke yes, Becker. Yes, we did. Cal Fraley. We got there's tons of GL teachers, tons, but they're over. They can be overwhelmed by the uh, preponderance of uh, lack of discipline, lack of moral and ethical integrity, a lack of interest on in the mm-hmm. part of the kids and. Oh, I had a note about. Uh, but 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 by the way, Rochester gets lumped in now with the country's tallest buildings. They, you were you were telling us they're Minneapolis South. Yeah, Rochester, St. Cloud. Yep. Tom Fargo, Lyman, Morn, Morehead. Tom yeah. Lyman's going to come up a little earlier on the sh- uh, or today. He's uh, in Marloth Park in Mumpumalanga, South Africa, and he said on the December seventh podcast while talking to the teacher about his class five hundred mile per uh, gallon car, he said the contest is sponsored by Shell Oil. I was hoping you would have asked him if Shell Oil controls all the rights from all the information gathered during these tests. Hmm. Maybe it's tinfoil hat stuff, but if Shell Oil has the rights and control, it plays into the old stories about inventions suddenly disappearing. Hold up. Wait a, Wait minute. a minute. Something, <laughs> Something ain't right. right. I, I don't think uh, Luke would have uh, suggested that uh, Shell Oil is sponsoring it in order to become proprietary about all the findings. I'll take blame because I had that thought and completely Did you really? forgot Did to you ask. really? Yeah. It's a good thought. It does go to well, the tinfoil hat reservation. I knew it threw you off track, Kenny, when he mentioned that it was his brother-in-law, right? was a snowmobile racer. Yeah. And then you That's just all lost Kenny all thought. focus. And then I actually went right to the guy's website. <laughs> yeah. It's getting pretty bad the closer you get to the country's tallest buildings. Oh, how bad is it? Oh, how bad is it? Let's try it again. Let's try it again. It's getting pretty bad the closer you get to the country's tallest buildings. How, how bad, bad is, is it? it? Chicago's police department is reportedly telling its commanders to familiarize themselves with a plan to shut down the city's central business district ahead of potential unrest this weekend, two weeks before Christmas. Wow. The drastic measure mentioned in a new internal memo circulating among staff is just an option on the table at this point, according to WLS, a radio station in Chicago. Last weekend, violence plagued Chicago's Loop neighborhood, and officers have been ordered this week to cancel upcoming days off to address current crime patterns. In the event of civil unrest and looting, area deputy chiefs and commanders should identify mobilization points, the memo said. Uh, noting that brass should designate special patrols to retail corridors. Another part of the memo called Central Business District Emergency Closure Procedure explains how the loop and the magnificent mile area could be closed, WLS reports, similar to what was done during rioting and looting that occurred in 2020. 
The station says commanders are being told to review the shutdown plan. In 2020 demonstrations, some of the some of which took place right after the death of George Floyd, the Chicago Police Department raised several bridges that connected downtown areas to the city's north and west side so that protesters could not cross. In, pa- in the past weekend's unrest in the Loop neighborhood, two teens ages 12 and 15 were reportedly shot. Dozens of young people flooded the area. Fights broke out. Police made 21 arrests in, uh, of youths. A police officer suffered a broken arm. Another officer was injured, and a convenience store owner was punched in the face. Uh, the social media account likely responsible for pulling together the unruly crowd is now planning a second event for this Saturday, according to CWB Chicago. So here you are, one of the most famous destination shopping corridors in the entire country. Uh, could very well be shut down this weekend, two weeks before Christmas. Have you guys, I know you probably have, given that your number of travels to Chicago, being there this time of the year, with the, it's beautiful. It's absolutely gorgeous. And think of being one of those shop owners. You know, you made it through a pandemic. Here you are, finally going to make some money because it's two weeks before Christmas. And, oh, by the way, we got to shut you down because there's crime going off the rails. My God. You know, is it safe for mom to take the kids to see Santa? No. On Michigan Avenue. Would you? Not if there was, not if I had reason to suspect another horrible outbreak of violence, which is apparently what this internal memo with the Chicago Police Department is speculating, or in fact, more than speculating, anticipating. It, it's a, that's amazing. Mm. You know, it's a glorious time of year, and uh, not only materialistically, obviously, but for many reasons, a glorious time of year. And they might have to shut down the damn city. Mm-hmm. Will that even put a stop to the crime? Because I don't think it will. No. No. They'll just move on to stores that are open. Well, it's becoming whack-a-mole. Yeah. When you pop them yeah. down here, they pop up oh, over oh, there. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I missed the reference. Yes, you did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. That's a shame. We'll have to keep an eye on that. Uh, why don't we return with Mr. Height? The Canopy Group is an insurance agency that is unique by offering 16 carefully selected companies for home and auto insurance. Listen, this is the holiday season. Would you be satisfied if the only dessert you could have this year was fruitcake made by one person's fruitcake? Boy, that'd be terrible, wouldn't it? That's like having one agent representing one company as your insurance option. Meanwhile, your neighbor creates an exchange with 40 family members. They have a variety of desserts, fudge, cutouts, gingerbread, all that good stuff. The Canopy Group knows it is all about options. That's why their insurance agents offers these 16 companies. They have 40 licensed agents working behind the scenes to ensure you always have the best coverage at the best price. Remember, Canopy clients' average savings annually is over $800. This holiday season, don't get stuck with the fruitcake. Get options with the Canopy Group. 800-967-3389 or visit thecanopygroup.com. 
It's the end of the world as we know it, and he feels fine. Joe Souchere. I've got your uh, Christmas ideas, all your gift ideas taken care of. Uh, and it's all courtesy of Rich, the owner of Maple Grove Lock and Safe.com, the Liberty Liberty Centurion Safes. It's got the 12 uh, gun, 18, 24 gun um, versions of it, all loaded with accessories. Ammo cans he has available. He has small little safes available. The big, big, the best selling Lincoln safe. That baby's in store, five spoke handle. Um, it's got the scan logic lock. It's really, really cool. And safes continue to arrive throughout December. So plenty of inventory in stock. That means no waiting. You can buy today. You can take it home or have delivery and set up all of it done for you. Special orders, of course. Yeah. Uh, and what really makes it great over the Christmas holidays, you know, we're stretching our wallets thin here. Financing, 12 months, same as cash financing. That is sweet. 6901 East Fish Lake Road in Maple Grove, and, of course, on the web at maplegrovelockandsafe.com. Here's John Height. Thank you, Joe. Five of these six Republican candidates for Minnesota governor debated in YZ last night. All five candidates were united in their opposition to how Democratic Governor Tim Walz has handled the pandemic. All five of the candidates say they've had COVID. Three of the five say they've gotten vaccinated either before or after they got the virus. None of them favor any vaccine mandates and say the decision to get vaccinated should be between individuals and their family doctors. Uh, two of the candidates, of course, are doctors, including former state Senator Scott Jensen and dermatologist Neil Shaw. Shaw says he got COVID after vaccination, and Jensen said he's relying on antibodies from his infection to protect him, and he says he won't get vaccinated. Meanwhile, all five candidates, Jensen, Shaw, Senator Paul Gazelka, Senator Michelle Benson, and Lexington Mayor Mike Murphy say the state should return. Part of that state's projected $7.7 billion surplus that we found about yesterday back to taxpayers. You didn't hear this from me. Uh-huh. Look for the entrance into the race by Kendall Calls. Mm, really? Who, who'd we hear it from then? I heard it from a reliable source. Oh, mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Huh. By the way, uh, it was noted yesterday uh, um, after in the aftermath of the seven billion dollars sur- sur- sorry seven point seven billion dollars surplus that um, ICU bed capacity uh, one year ago was eighteen hundred and thirty-five. I'm, I'm I'm trying to nail these numbers correctly mm, we had four billion dollars in covid relief for icu bed capacity and now icu bed capacity was at 1500 and something where did that huh. money go so it went down it went down and we where did that four billion dollars go that we that we got from the fed huh. oh probably some sidewalk poetry program <laughs> okay Speaking of the uh, virus, Pfizer said this morning that a booster dose of its COVID-19 vaccine may offer important protection against the new Omicron variant, even though the initial two doses appear significantly less effective. Uh, Pfizer, oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Pfizer and its partners BioNTech said that while two doses might not be protective enough to prevent infection, lab tests show a booster increased by 25-fold people's levels of virus-fighting antibodies Blood samples taken a month after a booster showed people harbored levels of Omicron-neutralizing antibodies that were similar to amounts proven protective against earlier variants after just two doses. Or how does Royce pronounce it when he came in on Monday? I don't know. 
Omicron! Omicron. He was screaming it at the top of his lungs. <laughs> By the way, did you see he ripped the Beatles documentary? I did not. I did, yeah. He, uh, did. he, he was well, bored by the whole thing. He said, I see. That's true. Troll, troll, troll your boat. Yeah. He says, okay, I'm done with Beatles Marathon. Way too much practice. We're talking about practice, not a concert. Practice. <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, what cracks me up about Roycey is the people that bite on his hooks. Oh, it's, it's, so, many. it's amazing. Yeah, and, and you tell them right to your face. You realize you just fell victim, right? Yeah. You, you, you yeah. understand what Pat does for a living. <laughs> yeah, but you tell yeah. that, you no. know, and it's like, no, I'm not telling them anything. You realize this will give him greater joy. <laughs> yes. Right? You do realize yes. that. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, wasn't it 41 We're, years ago today? Uh, it was today. Monday Night Football? 41, yes. Oh, yeah. I was going to request we play the Howard announcement. Uh, Super 70 Sports retweeted Did they really? It. Who are yeah. you talking about? The death of John Lennon? John Lennon. Yeah, yeah. I Republicans are Pat, I guarantee you Patrick pre-planned that tweet. Oh, yeah. Especially oh, yeah. after hearing you guys talk about right. it in here. Knowing that I loved it and Height loved it and Kenny loved it, he, yeah. he said, I know what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he now may not. Go ahead, John. He may not have even watched a minute of it. Right. right. No, he's <laughs> just going to call Reavers later today and go, hey, what the mayor say about my tweet? <laughs> we said it's absolutely anticipated, Patrick. Yeah. Timeout is called. Three seconds remaining. John Smith is on the line. And I don't care what's on the line, Howard. You have got to say what we know in the booth. Yes, we have to say it. Remember, this is just a football game, no matter who wins or loses. An unspeakable tragedy confirmed to us by ABC News in New York City. John Lennon, outside of his apartment building on the west side of New York City, the most famous, perhaps, of all of the Beatles, shot twice in the back, rushed to Roosevelt Hospital, dead on arrival. Hard to go back to the game after that news flash, which in duty found we had to take. Frank. Indeed it is. Hmm. 41 years. Yikes. You guys remember watching that game? Yes, I do. Do you? I remember yeah. that night, yeah. I don't, but I sure remember Howard and love him, and I wonder what the young football fans, sport fans, would think of Howard today a tremendous <laughs> pain in the ass <laughs> yeah yeah you know how sometimes you see kids on the youtube listening to like an old classic song that they've never heard before and they're either blown away or they think it's stupid mm -hmm. you've seen yeah. those bits on youtube sure oh yeah it'd be fun yeah. to play them some howard get their reaction <laughs> deputy police chief in minneapolis amelia huffman will become the department's interim chief replacing madario arredondo who said monday he's retiring after three decades of public service with the interim job huffman becomes the second woman to lead the department after janae harteau who led the mpd from 2012 to 2017 rumors of arredondo's likely departure have swirled for months huffman was among several names both inside and outside the department which were bandied around as potential replacements the mayor, Mayor Fry, who tried to persuade Arredondo to stay, noted that the soon-to-be former chief had endorsed Hoffman, who will officially assume her new post next month. Hoffman said she is interested in taking the job in longer term after her interim appointment ends. She said, quote, I hope to have further discussions with the mayor about that as time progresses. Would his uh, departure coincide with a verdict in the Potter trial? No. 
Not necessarily. Well, I mean, will, will we have a verdict before he's out? I have no idea. Okay. It was middle of January they said he's leaving, so possibly, possibly not, right? I, yeah. I guess it depends on how long our I don't think it has anything to do with the Potter trial. You don't think yeah. so? No. Okay. No. A middle school in St. Paul temporarily placed on lockdown Tuesday morning after a parent misplaced a handgun. St. Paul police spokesman Steve Linders said a woman who dropped off an 11-year-old and 13-year-old at Murray Middle School noticed that the handgun she carried in her purse was missing and notified the school. The school then called the police and put the school on lockdown. Murray Middle School says during that time, all students remained safely in classrooms. Police said the gun was found by the parent a short time later in her vehicle's glove box had never been in the school. There were also no threats, and students were able to resume their normal schedule at 10 in the morning yesterday. Uh, today, Minneapolis public school officials mm-hmm, announced Northeast Middle School would move to distance learning Wednesday because of a possible threat. MPS issued a statement uh, saying in the middle of the night, MPS received information about a possible threat to Northeast Middle School. Oh, we do not believe the threat is credible. We are moving the school to distance learning today in an effort to ensure safety uh i was reacting to something that just came across twitter oh, from kstb yes. tv mm-hmm. uh, hennepin county sheriff admits to crash after drinking and driving in douglas county hmm. uh, dave hutchinson said he got into a crash after he had been drinking early wednesday morning near alexandria the state patrol said it was investigating a single car rollover crash around 2 30 a.m five miles east of alexandria on interstate 94 he was taken to the hospital with serious injuries, but is expected to recover. Wow. The sheriff wow. Hutchinson. Hutch. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Hmm. Huh. So now we're going to lose him too. Mm-hmm. Who's been done. highly criticized by both sides of the aisle? You know what? I I have the picture in my head right now. After Kenny read that, you guys have seen the the meme of the dog sitting at the cafe with the fires going all around on him, and he's sipping his coffee. Yes, going, everything's yeah. fine. Everything's cool. That's pretty much what I have in my head right now. No, don't worry. Everything's everything's okay. Uh, Speaking of sheriffs, calling it ridiculous, Ramsey County Sheriff Bob Fletcher responding yesterday to a claim by Ramsey County Board Chair Tony Carter that he was not willing to work with the board over concerns it had on the sheriff's office continuing to provide security during the Minnesota State Fair. The State Fair on Monday announced it is reestablishing its own police department a year after it disbanded one and then turned to the sheriff's office for law enforcement during the 12-day event this past year. A November 2nd board workshop had been planned to review an after action report on security during the fair in 2021 and beyond. However, it was canceled the same day after Fletcher told her he was unable to make the meeting. Carter wrote to Governor Tim Walz two days later, claiming an unwillingness of the sheriff to personally engage with the county board in important discussions. Carter suggested that the Minnesota Agricultural Society Board, which governs the fair, would need to pursue alternative security arrangements for 2022. On Tuesday, Fletcher said Carter's statement is not true. He told Carter in a letter, which included other county member boards, Governor Walls, and County Manager Ryan O'Connor, that he had attended several meetings, answered every question, took part in board workshops, and assigned staff working with the county management. He said the assertion that the agreement was not approved because I was not able to attend a meeting is ridiculous. Asked in an interview Tuesday why he couldn't make the meeting, Fletcher said it was an informational meeting led by other people, and he reiterated that members of his staff were going to attend. Johnny, speaking of Governor Walls, I found those numbers I, I said earlier. Um, yes. So on f- April 8th of 2020, Governor Tim Walls extended the stay-at-home order. Quote, 
we can say with 95% confidence that we are going to need a minimum of 3,000 beds. That's why we have asked you to stay home, end quote. On that day, ICU capacity was 1,185. 20 months and $4 billion later, it's 1,158. Where did the money go? Yeah, that's the tweet I saw. Huh. Face-to-face for over two hours, President Joe Biden and Russia's Vladimir Putin squared off in a secure video call Tuesday. The U.S. president putting Moscow on notice that an invasion of Ukraine would bring sanctions and enormous harm to the Russian economy. With tens of thousands of Russian troops massed on the Ukraine border, the highly anticipated call between the two leaders came amid growing worries by the U.S. and Western allies about Russia's threat to its neighbor. Putin, for his part, came into the meeting seeking guarantees from Biden that the NATO military alliance would never expand to include Ukraine, which has long sought membership. The Americans and NATO allies said that request was a non-starter. There appeared to be no immediate breakthroughs to ease tensions as the U.S. emphasized a need for diplomacy and de-escalation and issued the threats to Russia on the uh, consequences of an invasion. And at one point, Putin looked up from a paper he was looking at and said, uh, what's a four-letter word <laughs> for they're above the abs? <laughs> Is that pecs? Yeah, that uh, works, pecs. <laughs> According to the latest statistics, some 4.2 million Americans quit their jobs in October. Latest numbers as churn in the labor market continued to mark the economic recovery nearly two years into the pandemic. All of this according to a new report released today by the Bureau of Labor Statistics. The number of people who left jobs for other opportunities uh, other opportunities in October made up about 2.8% of the workforce, according to the BLS. Star Tribune reporting a mysterious donor again is dropping generous donations into the Salvation Army's red kettles. Uh, last week in the North Metro, left $4,000. The nonprofit dubs the anonymous donor St. Grand every year because the person is always dropping $1,000 in a kettle in crisp new $100 bills. This is the 11th year this has been happening. Over the last decade's Christmas campaigns, they say St. Grant has donated $152,500 to the organization. This year's generosity comes at a time when the Salvation Army says they're worried that giving will drop during the COVID-19 pandemic because fewer shoppers are going to the retail and grocery stores where the red kettles are stationed. As a result, uh, new ways to pay the Salvation Army. Uh, they uh, Now you can now contribute over Venmo and use PayPal. And last year, the organization added the little uh, QR codes to the red kettles, which donors could scan with smartphones to get a link to the donation For sites. a million dollars. You beat me to it, Kelly. Hmm. Tell us what a QR code is. Well, that should be your uh, quotation. Quotation. Uh, that you get... Uh, <laughs> When you press the phone to a uh, subliminer, mm-hmm. and then it uh, fires back, and you have the qualifying results that would take money out of your account. And then would that be different or the same as Venmo, Mr. Mayor? That'd be different. Okay. Yeah. How, so how does Venmo work? Venmo works uh, in such a way as to such as uh, be. Such as. It would be. Uh, you, Mo gives it to Ven. Ah. And then Paul oh, has money there or a pond. <laughs> Girl. Recent polls have shown a fifth of Americans can't locate the U.S. on a world map. Such as. Why do you think this is? You said such as. I got to play it. I personally believe that U.S. Americans are unable to do so 
because uh, some people out there in our nation don't <laughs> have maps, and uh, I believe that our ed education, like such as in okay, South that's Africa, it. that's <laughs> it. I had to get yeah, to the such I, I, it. Takes you too long for her. to get to it. Yeah, <laughs> that, that I, I keep telling you guys that makes me very sad. Now, after I read that she became suicidal because she received so many. Oh, uh, I didn't oh, know no, that. I didn't what? know yes. that. Never know that. Never play it again. I, I, I believe. Oh, you just I believe, killed I thought I, I thought I said that last I, week. I would have remembered you saying that. Oh. Uh, she, uh, she, she's fine now. She's fine. But she said she went through a period where it was well, very never hard. Play I told to you, it. my instincts were don't play that. It's funny <laughs> the first time, but then you got to get Well, now can't. I feel like a jerk. You should. You should. I you feel just, you're just as guilty. Let's, let's take a vote. Who, who, who thinks Chris is a jerk? I'll yeah. go to the box <laughs> and I'll feel shame. Who thinks Candy <laughs> is a, a jerk? Yeah. And, and Joe, who thinks John's and, a jerk? John, yeah. Okay. Facebook just raised their hand. We're just unified. We're all unified. We're all jerks. I'll have you know there's people on Facebook that like me too, Chris. So I like you, John. Take that. I get positive and negative on YouTube or whatever it is, Facebook. Yep. Uh, say I have radio news. I don't know if you guys saw this. After an extensive search, WCCO Radio has their new morning host. It is Vanita Sakar, the oh, former Emmy. I love Emmy Vanita. Yeah, former Emmy-winning TV anchor on KSTP uh, Channel 5 will start on January 3rd. Her show will be called The Morning News with Vanita Sakar. It'll air weekdays from 6 to 9. She will, of course, replace uh, Dave Lee, and uh, she says, uh, as you would expect, no one can really replace uh, Dave Lee. And before that, she says there was Boone and Erickson. She says, this is monumental for me. It doesn't slip past me how big this moment in She's uh, a is. nice gal. Vanita yep, She really is. One of the really nicest. Is. Yep. Yep, I Good agree. luck. And uh, I believe in, she lives in St. Paul, as opposed to uh, is she? You know, Lake of the Isles. Should yeah. somebody call? Uh, do any of us have her number? I wonder if one of us should call her and give her a little warning about. No, Kenny. I'm what not. To, I don't have any expect. idea what her number is, and I don't know what you're talking about, John. You got to keep going. Hi there. An interesting note from Mel Brooks. Uh, he's got a new memoir coming out, or it's out now. It just came out. I get a text. Uh, called, I'm forwarding it straight to you, Olson. That's all I'm going to say. It's called All Good About luck, Me. Vanita. I'm praying for <laughs> the, you. The new Mel Brooks uh, memoir is called All About Me. Mel is now 95 years old. He's been doing interviews to promote the book. Uh, in an NPR uh, interview, he talked about his comedy, and I found this uh, somewhat interesting. Uh, he's been known to be a bit edgy and, you know, uh, maybe doing some jokes that perhaps people say, why did he do that? He yeah. says, nope. He says, I wouldn't take back one joke I have ever done. He says the only jokes that haunt him are the ones he wouldn't do. Yeah. He said there are plenty of jokes he should have, he said, quote, I should have just exploded with. And I said, well, maybe that's a bit too much for the kids or other people who might take offense. He says now he wishes he had used them. Some other nuggets from the interview on hiring Richard Pryor to help write Blazing Saddles. He said uh, not only was Richard supposed to help right, he was also going to play the part of Black Bart, the sheriff. Mm -hmm. But then Warner Brothers came to him and said, nope, under no circumstances, we can't get insurance on Pryor because of the drug problems. And uh, he said he went, okay, uh, uh, then I'm not going to make this movie. But he said Richard then told him, no, you have to make this movie. And he helped him find Cleavon Little to play the part. Um, so, uh, this is just breaking. I'm seeing, yes. Johnny, uh, a car has apparently fallen into the American Falls on the Niagara River just ahead of Niagara Falls in Buffalo. Mm. Holy cow. I mean, uh, it went over the 
It's it's I'm seeing a photo of it. It's on the absolute edge of of the American Falls. That's the you know the U.S. The side. One. Holy crap! Yeah. That's all I'm seeing right now. I'll see if I can find more information. Wow. Okay. And apparently there are two people inside of the vehicle. Carjackers? Don't know. Can't drive a stick? Don't know. Can't, can't drive a stick. Uh, this, uh, uh, how about this scene? Gunfire breaking out on a beach in Mexico's Caribbean coast resort of Cancun Tuesday, sending tourists scrambling for cover. Uh, here's how the gunmen appeared. Sounds like a Bond movie. The chief of police of the coastal state of Quintana Roo said the attackers apparently pulled up to the beach on jet skis and opened fire at a beach in Cancun's hotel zone. Hernandez Gutierrez said the jet skis had been found and seized. A witness to the attack, Rick Labasa, tourist from Maine, said two or three gunmen appeared to be shooting into the air with pistols when they arrived, not at the beach. He said there were two guys, maybe even a third. What I saw was them shooting into the sky. Labasa says this was the first incident of this kind that he's seen in 31 years of coming to Cancun. Uh, not everyone, though, is unflappable as Labasa, Andy Goyrich, and Kerry Adams, who were visiting from Minnesota, described more gunshots and tear on the beach. Goyrich saying, we just had to hit the deck. We didn't know what was going on. The shooting is the latest in a string of violent incidents on the resort-studded coast and came in the same week that a special battalion of National Guard troops were assigned to protect the area. Mexican Marines with bulletproof vests, helmets, and assault rifles were seen patrolling Cancun's tourist-crowded beaches after Jeez. those gunmen came up to the shore. You know shore. what they're fighting about, the cartels in that situation? Who gets to hmm. sell drugs to the tourists? Yeah. yeah, That's what this is about. You're exactly right. Mm-hmm. I have a little bit more information Uh, This is from the Associated Press about 19 minutes ago. A car entered the Niagara River and became stuck in the rapids just yards from the brink of the Niagara Falls on Wednesday. The fate of any occupants of the vehicle remain unknown. It was not also immediately clear how or where the gray car entered the frigid rushing water or whether anyone was inside. Well, we now know that there were two people inside. Photos and videos taken by bystanders showed the car almost completely submerged with only part of the roof an open trunk hatch visible through the whitewater current. Uh, the vehicle was about 100 yards from the brink of the falls at Prospect Point, a prime viewing area, uh, the Niagara Gazette reported. Onlookers watched as emergency crews prepared to try to pull the vehicle from the water. Uh, roads in the area were slippery as a light snow fell early that morning. Goodness. Wow. Here's the main headline right now on the Drudge Report, which is an example of why it's so difficult to digest news. Man sets Fox News Christmas tree on fire. Oh, I saw that. In Manhattan. Okay, that headline would compel you to believe that that was some sort of political demonstration. Right. According to the police, he's a disturbed homeless guy. It had nothing to do with Christmas, nothing to do with Fox. That's how it was sold to me on, uh, on social, was that a Christmas hater and uh, a far left wing... No. no, wow, homeless guy. Yeah. Also, I people are finding this hysterical on on Twitter, which I don't understand. What Christmas the tree burning fire? That the tree is burning. Yeah. I don't think it's funny. Well, I don't think it's funny at all. Yeah, no. but people are. It's anyway. only funny when you throw it in your fireplace. Yeah. Then it's funny. That's oh, that's fun actually. <laughs> a lot of what people if you put travel sawdust in your fireplace. Your uh, yeah. wet plaster will crack. Crumble and fall to the ground. Oh my God, we've got an expert here. Yeah, I've done it. I've done it. <laughs> oh, he admits to it. Well, wow. yeah, let's just what? get rid of this. It just went, went off like a bomb. 
It's too bad I recently removed the list I had of all the things Souchere has done. Oh, well, you, mean, you still can't beat the hot water on the windshield. On the, yeah, cold the windshield wind. cracked and broke. And that's the best and one. And then the steel warped. You couldn't even roll up the window anymore. <laughs> hold on, hold How on. How did the insurance company handle that one? <laughs> and I tried to burn the hump Here, at the end of the driveway at, by lighting I found gas it. on fire. I found the list oh, in the trash. You got, you got it. Sawdust in the fireplace, yeah. garden hose in the bathroom, yeah. hot water on the windshield, yeah. gas on the hump, and leaf blower on the roof. Yep. <laughs> Remind me, which one? I don't remember up. the garden hose in the bathroom. Well, we just bought the house, and I wanted to thoroughly clean the shower, so I ran a garden hose in the backyard through the bedroom window and dragged it into the shower and, you know, scrubbed her down and fixed her up. And what? And then got a lot of things wet that shouldn't have been uh, sprayed <laughs> with a garden hose. Yeah. Can I add, uh, may I, with your permission, add to the list the uh, caulking uh, incident? Oh, yes, yeah. you may. Oh, yeah, you may. that's right. Pierce. That's right, right in the middle. Yeah. How do you spell Pierce, Joe? Is it E-I? Oh. P-I-E. I before E, except after C. Okay, pierced the side Oh my god. Oh, the I, I, I pierced tube. the top. I just didn't go through the nozzle. What? That was the dumbest thing ever. I still don't know what, what that was all about. The side of the nozzle. Yeah. No, I didn't go anywhere near the nozzle. I just went through the top of the caulking tube, ignoring the, the nozzle completely. By the no, where the nozzle. Yeah, it ignored the nozzle completely and went alongside and it just, and just poked a <laughs> hole in it. Yeah. Pierce the side of the. I thought you pierced the side. That's a long huh. sentence. Pierce the side of the top of the caulking. Here's tube John Heights the with the news. Why, thank you, Joe. Uh, from the, there are a lot of things going on out there that we know nothing about. File: Saudi authorities have conducted their biggest ever crackdown on camel beauty contestants oh. that received Botox injections and other artificial touch-ups. There's over 40 camels being disqualified from the annual pageant. Saudi Arabia's popular King. Abdulaziz Camel Festival. You've heard of it, right? That's a big, Which, uh, that's a big event. That's yeah. like the Indy 500 in, uh, <laughs> in the desert. It kicked off earlier this month, invites breeders of the most beautiful camels to compete, and before you start scoffing, they're competing for about $66 million in Whoa. prize money. That's Whoa. a lot of money for a camel. Botox injections, facelifts, and other cosmetic alterations to make the camels more attractive are strictly prohibited. Jurors decide the winner based on the shape of the hump's heads, their necks, their humps, their dress, and their postures. Judges at the month-long festival in the desert, northeast of the Saudi capital of Riyadh, are escalating their clampdown on artificially enhanced camels. The official news agency reported using specialized and advanced technology. This year, authorities discovered dozens of breeders had stretched out the lips and noses of camels, used hormones to boost the breast muscles, injected camels' heads and lips with Botox to make them bigger, and inflated body parts with rubber band and used fillers to relax their faces. Kitty, look at me. No. Come on, Joe. No. No. Come on. I know, because I, I read gotta, your mind. I, I know exactly like what you're thinking. I've got like I six seven or eight lines that you could use, and you're not using any of them. <laughs> the camel beauty contest. I got a lot more of the story, Kenny. And you, you know that this is the only reason John did the story, right? Uh, right. And I'm, I'm, no I'm going to be a humbug. There's no point, John. John, I don't want that story anymore. The hell with the camels. That's, that's that so camel have a name? Well, late at night. <laughs> see? See? Yeah. See? Yeah, but I gave a tame one, and you just, wouldn't. Just camel come with a hey, ladder? Hey, 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 hey. 
I got a, a, a camel uh, line for you that's tame. Uh, Groucho Marx line. Remember, yeah. he walked up to the camel, and, you know, the camel's I'm doing that. He yeah. said, you got another stick of gum for me, pal? Yes. Oh, yeah. All right. That, that was oh. it. Any, Thank uh, you, Chris. One more, John. One more. Do they one judge uh, the camel's toe? One more, John. From the latest issue of Field and Stream magazine, if you <laughs> if you need proof that fishery managers, uh, this is from Field and Stream, aren't just blowing smoke when they warn people about the potential ecological harm of releasing unwanted aquarium pets into public waters, look no further than right here in Minnesota at the Grace Chain of Lakes. I think that's by you, Chris, isn't it? Employees of the Carver County Water Management Organization removed a whopping 5,000 pounds of goldfish from Big Woods and McKnight Lakes this November. It's all part of a multi-year reclamation and research project spurred by the 2019 detection of the most densely populated discovery of goldfish staff they've ever seen. Scientists estimate that 300,000 to 500,000 goldfish may live in the five lakes that make up that chain. That also includes Lake Grace, Lake Jonathan, and Lake Hazeltine, with no natural predators. Oh, yeah, right there in Chaska. Okay. I know exactly I think the lake detective has weighed in on that, I believe. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Speaking of field and stream, did you see the Star Tribune piece about a trail cam capturing a fat bear in northern Minnesota? I did. I did it's yes. estimated to weigh 700 pounds. Yeah. Its stomach is practically dragging on the ground. He's got the old COVID fat. But huh? don't they get fat at this time of year? Well, yeah, yeah. that's this, true. This, this bear will make it through the winter without a problem. Mm-hmm. It's, very, it's very much captivating yeah. the public. It's captiva- did it, I bet if you took a bear, do you think Spencer would, would prepare bear meat? If you brought well, the bear in, bear is really, really good. Is it really? Yeah, it's really seriously. Good. Yeah, wow. no, I'm serious. Yeah, and, and I bet you he's done. I bet he's you done have it. to know the secret sign though when you go in. No bear meat at the glory hole. <laughs> I still I'm talking can't about. Believe uh, he fell for that. I, I'm talking about. Well, I'm, I'm attempting to talk about Grunhofer's old-fashioned meats. <laughs> In Hugo, and I thought I had a very innocent segue till you morons completely screw it up. Sorry about like that. Like you do everything. And uh, <laughs> where was I? Bear meat. No, You're wondering no. about bear meat well, at Spencer Spen- Grunhoffers. Sp- if anyone would know how, it would be Spencer. And and uh, right there at the store. Right. Kenny, what is serious? serious question? What's the best way to prepare slash cook bear meat? Um, never mind that. They use the fat. And they cook it down and then use that instead of, like, butter or cooking oil oh. and all of that. Oh, And that's sure. one of the main attractions with it. I've had uh, the summer sausage, and I've had sticks, and it's delicious. Oh, boy. Well, yeah, yeah wow. Ron Humphers would be familiar with that in addition yep. to the meatloafs and the uh, bratwurst mm-hmm. and the Wagyu steaks and burgers and uh, just wonderful. The deluxe potato salad would go great with a meatloaf, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. You're going to issue a warning, aren't you? Pretty soon. This is uh, Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats, the original location, the founding location on Highway 61 just north of Hugo. And because GLers uh, created such demand for this exquisite products, these exquisite products, uh, Spencer opened a second store in Forest Lake on Highway 97 just east of Interstate 35. It's Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats.
Hey GLers, it's Reavers here with a couple of questions for you. Are you noticing a decrease in the following? Maybe strength, endurance, enjoyment of life, libido, or maybe it's just a lack of energy. Are you tired of feeling exhausted even after you eat dinner? I've got an answer for you. You need to call my friends at Everest Men's Health. From signs of low testosterone to other deficiencies, they examine every single area important to a man's overall health. And that allows them to develop an easy-to-follow plan that will ensure your success. It does not matter where you on the spectrum of men's health. The time is right now to come into Everest Men's Health and take the first steps toward realizing your best health possible. The great thing about Everest is their medical specialists look at the entire picture and they figure out what is causing these changes to you. They start with a full medical evaluation to check testosterone levels, important vitamin levels, blood levels, and overall body composition. And once they identify the deficiencies, such as low T or vitamin deficiencies, they create a personalized lifestyle program that can include testosterone testosterone replacement, medication management, vitamin and natural supplementation, and exercise prescription and nutritional guidance. Trust me, Everest is fantastic and they provide a comfortable environment that is not intimidating like other medical clinics. They specialize in men's health and they can be your doctor for all your health needs and they will refer you to a specialist if needed. It's a wonderful environment and fantastic people. Go online right now to EverestMensHealth.com and you can call today to schedule your $50 testosterone test at any one of their three locations in Woodbury, Plymouth, and now in Egan, and please let them know that you heard about him on the Garage Logic podcast. You cannot stop him. He'll just make a move. Joe Suchere. The other day we played some audio featuring John Coleman, now deceased, the founder of the Weather Channel, mm-hmm. and he was being interviewed by Brian Stelter of CNN. And he was having some good sport with oh, CNN. He was wonderful. <laughs> and he pointed out the funding problems that, of course, you're going to get hysteria fed to you by people who are getting paid to produce it. By the government. And uh, I think it was Kelsey who alerted me to this. It's a Breitbart piece. Greenpeace founder says global warming hoax is pushed by corrupt scientists hooked on government grants. Greenpeace co-founder and former president of Greenpeace Canada, Patrick Moore, described the cynical and corrupt machinations fueling the narrative of anthropocentric anthropocentric global warming and climate change in a Wednesday interview uh, must have been last Wednesday, on Sirius XM's Breitbart News Tonight with hosts Rebecca Mansour and Joel Polak. Scientists are co-opted and corrupted by politicians and bureaucracies invested in advancing the narrative of climate change in order to further centralize political power and control, explained Moore. Moore noted how green companies parasitize, parasitize, parasite parasite taxpayers via favorable regulations and subsidies ostensibly justified by the aforementioned narratives claimed threats all while enjoying propagandistic protection across news media and so you've got the green movement creating stories that instill fear in the public you've got the media echo chamber repeating it over and over and over again to everybody that they're killing their children and then you've got the green politicians who are buying scientists with government money to produce fear for them in the form of scientific-looking materials. And then you've got the green businesses, the rent-seekers and the crony capitalists who are taking advantage of massive subsidies, huge tax write-offs and government mandates requiring their technologies to make a fortune. And then, of course, you've got the scientists who are willingly, basically hooked on government grants. When they talk about the 99% consensus among scientists on climate change, that's a completely ridiculous and false number. Same thing John Coleman said. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
But most of the scientists, put in quote scientists, who are pushing this catastrophic theory are getting paid by public money. They're not being paid by General Electric or DuPont or 3M to do this research, where private companies expect to get something useful from their research that might produce a better product and make them a profit in the end because people want it, build a better mousetrap type of idea. But most of what these so-called scientists are doing is simply producing more fear so that politicians can use it to control people's minds and get their votes because some of the people are convinced, oh, this politician can save my kid from certain doom. It's an existential threat to reason, said Patrick Moore. And uh, he said this abomination that is occurring today in the climate issue is the biggest threat to enlightenment that has occurred since Galileo. Nothing else comes close to it. This is as bad a thing that has happened to science in the history of science. Moore concluded, it's taking over science with superstition and a kind of toxic combination of religion and political ideology. There is no truth to this. It is a complete hoax and scam. Amen. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. Of course that's amen. what it is. Of course that's what it is. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm a bit distracted. Kenny, were you going to say something about that? How come global, uh, global uh, um, companies, huge, big companies, I'm thinking... Uh, auto manufacturers and the like. How come they're going along with this when they've got to know this? They have to know this. I suppose they have to remain friendly with governments. So they change everything about what they do to go along with this? That's a good question. Uh, the other question that would be interesting to know is what did, what did, what made Patrick Moore see the light? I mean, he was a, a true believer. Mm -hmm. What made him see the light? Only because they come to us all the way from Marloth Park in Mumpumalanga, South Africa, from the traveling Lymans, was on this day. December 8th. Yeah, that's right. On this day, in 1863, the first National Bank of St. Paul was organized. The first Minnesota bank chartered under the National Banking Act of 1863. Derived from a private bank owned by Parker Payne, it would eventually lose its name through a series of mergers, although there is still a First National Bank building in St. Paul. And on this day in 1886, December 8th, mm -hmm. that's a long time ago, isn't it? 1886. Yes, it is. <laughs> that, that is. In a fight over the possession of Traverse County records, citizens of Browns Valley, the old county seat, brawl in the streets of their town with farmers from Wheaton, the new <laughs> seat, who arrived early in the morning to wow. claim the records. Wow. The, oh. the, out, the outnumbered invaders flee with only one load, which is later returned to Browns Valley. <laughs> All the records are eventually moved to Wheaton without further battle. Hmm. Wow. What a state we got when those are the two things that happen on this day. You see them all bringing them back going here. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Tony's John Bill's I'm sorry he took your records. <laughs> I'm drinking all night. Sorry Airborne, my lady. Airborne. Uh, <laughs> another update. Sorry, I'm terribly distracted. A helicopter with a guy with a set of you-know-what on him just rescued an individual from that car trapped wow. 90 meters from the edge of Niagara Falls. So, so the car wasn't completely submerged. Well, it, but it, that's Joe and I were just looking at a still shot, Kenny. It appears to be tr uh, caught on some rocks. Yeah. So one person has been rescued. It's believed that there is another person inside the vehicle, and the helicopter as it's rising from the car because it's so windy, mm -hmm. the two people are swaying, swaying. Yeah, back right. and forth.
Well, See, I now, hope they get back in time to get the other occupant. Wow. This is uh, actually a situation that I've dreamed of, um, that being that I hope that when my time is up and my ticket is about to get punched, that I have time to make peace with my God. Well, you'd be sitting in the water there for a while. You'd have time today. Well, that's yeah. the first thing I thought of is how did they not freeze to death? I don't know. You we know? don't know anything about this story. We really don't. Yeah. But I'm glad that you were allowing yourself to be completely disrupted by it for about the last half hour. Well, yes, John. John. Well, we, he can't hear us. Why can't he? I don't know. We lost him. John. It's Chris, Chris's fault. Oh. Sorry, John. John. Yeah. He can't. I'm can't sure John us. turned something off. Yeah. John. He can't, uh, he can't hear you. We're done here. Thank you, GLers. Thank, thanks, GLers. I appreciate that. I wasn't that distracted. <laughs> yeah, you were. Okay. To the point where you lost one of the cast. Well, it was a pertinent news item for the broadcast. Not really. We do news on this show. Not really. Really? Okay. Anyway, um, if John could hear me right now, I would tell him to tune into the Garage Logic YouTube page and hit that subscribe button like the thousands of GLers that have already done so. And Oh, speaking of that, Kenny, uh, Pod MN, you guys have a new episode of the Krabby Coffee Shop, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I suppose it's been posted. (laughs) With that kind of enthusiasm, why wouldn't you dial in? Boy, that makes me want to listen to it. Good good luck. Uh, I don't know what else to say. Also, uh, hit us up on all of our social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. All of it is there for you. We'll catch you tomorrow. It is that time once again here in Garage Logic where we pick up that phone and we make that phone call to our guy, Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold. And that's exactly what you should do today for that free, yes, I said free, 48-minute financial consultation. And you do so just like I did by calling 952-925-5608. That number once again is 952-925-5608. When you call that number, you do get Mr. Money Talk directly and you also get straight talk. You're never going to get sugar-coated advice and josh is with us on the line once again here in garage logic and josh the booster seems to work the booster works pfizer and biotech came out and said the booster works a booster gives a high level of protection even from this new variant that's a real plus in the market said whoopee now well there was profit taking today and the dow is down after two big days part of that could be a sell the news reaction to the booster working it does work and that gave a very nice boost to travel related companies whether it be airlines hotels and even some of my favorite casino names they had a nice move up that to me was very good the pharmaceutical companies kind of moved down today i have not been a pharmaceutical company investor for a lot of years that having to do with issues related to government interference more than anything else but it is good to pay attention to the pharmaceutical companies typically they do offer some protection on a downside of the the market plus many of the pharmaceutical companies do pay a very nice dividend and for those people that are looking for income related investments because as you know i have been against investing in bonds so if you're looking for yield well the pharmaceutical companies do provide a lot of yield as do companies like coca-cola pepsi-cola budweiser at&t and verizon not to mention investing in real estate investment trusts 
also offer some very nice yields. To me, still the best places to go are companies with rising sales and rising earnings. And that still comes back to some of the big technology firms, whether it's favorite Apple, which continues to power ahead, getting another buy rating in addition to the upgrade and price target increase that happened yesterday from Morgan Stanley. It does appear that some news coming from the Far East has talked about Apple iPhone production still being cut due to supply chain issues. That has been well known and particularly telegraphed by the company after their last earnings call. Apple is still seen as a safe place to put money given their financial strength, and Apple has hit a new high at $174 a share. Favorite Amazon, again, should have a very good Christmas, and they have been doing what they can to improve their logistics capability, including leasing ships and having containers manufactured specifically for them. If Amazon follows through on the expansion of their logistics capability, we'll say planes, trains, ships, etc. They and has that logistics capability expand the same way that their Amazon Web Services did. They'll be able to offer that service to other companies and have another strong source of revenue. I do like that. Going forward, there are now many analysts looking into places to invest, not only for the remainder of December, and December typically has a little more downward move, and and that has to do with tax law selling going on where large investors and small investors take a look at what losses they have or gains that they have and try to offset one to the other. If you do have extra losses, you can take those losses up to $3,000 against your taxable income in a non-tax-deferred account. Any losses over that can be carried forward. That's something that is typically going on at this time of year, and that can add to some of the some additional volatility. Another thing to look at, they concern the Fed and what they're going to be doing with interest rates. So any discussion by the Fed, which will be coming up shortly, in terms of inflation, whether they're going to increase their taper will affect the market. As I have said previously, wait until that happens and that will be in your best interest. But definitely, you do not want to be a bond investor at this point in time. Very good, Mr. Money Talk. You heard him. Pick up the phone, make the call today for that free 48-minute financial consultation at 952-925-5608. Straight talk, never sugar-coated advice. Josh, as always, thank you so much for the time in the chat. Have a great day. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. You got a deal. Thanks, Chris. Investment advisor services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a registered advisor in the state of Minnesota. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk.